Welcome back to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. On this week's episode, it's Return of the Max. Listen in as we talk the wacky Cornish street circuit, a game of DRS chicken, a Lewis Hamilton Sam Spiracy, and the passing of the Mazaspin torch. All that and more to come, so buckle up because it's lights out and away we go. season at the Cornish circuit, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. It's definitely good to be back on the, uh, the fastest growing F1 podcast in the world right now. So it's an honor, pleasure. Boy, if this season, we said it last week, if we get all those races like that, and we're right now two for two on races, but let's start like we always do. Give me your one sentence headline recap of the weekend. So yeah, my, uh, my one sentence recap is Max wins. So do F1 fans because DRS kicks ass. Um, that is kind of where I start this weekend. It's, it was just unbelievable watching the DRS battles. And then I'm seeing people on Twitter complaining about DRS over the weekend. Too easy to overtake. Takes all the skill out of overtaking, blah, blah, blah. I'll readily admit I'm not an F1 traditionalist, but these people complaining are just incredibly lame. Um, it's one of the most exciting parts of watching these races, seeing the DRS overtakes, but it obviously enhances it. But you couple that with the new cars and new regulations, which have been allowing cars to drive closer to each other for a longer amount of time, you're getting these crazy repasses that we've really never seen before, like two, three lap battles. And it's making for just unbelievable racing. We saw it with Max and Charles again, two weeks in a row, have had just two awesome on-track battles for multiple laps. And then we saw it with the two Alpine, you know, both are awesome. Two of the highlights of the weekend. And I just think DRS needs to be looked at as a strategic tool for these drivers to use. You could say it took Max one and a half races to kind of figure it out. But, you know, passing at the first chance you get isn't going to be the move anymore. You got to be a little bit more strategic about how you overpass, you know, when and where on the course. Because if you're not careful, you know, that that other that other car is going to have just as easy of a chance to, to overtake them right back. So I thought DRS was kind of the story of the weekend and DRS kicks ass. So I had a great time watching that race. It's funny. I, we will revisit DRS because I have a whole thing to talk about with the DRS later on in, this, in one of our segments later on in the show and winners and losers. Uh, I won't give away where that place is for me, but it's, it's either a winner or a loser for me. But I will say we nailed it again. We absolutely nailed it. We knew it. We said it last podcast. DRS, we knew that this was a race that was going to be important. We nailed that the drivers were going to have to revise their driving strategy. And we saw it firsthand. The strategic game, Max overtake, Charles down the straight, takes him right back. And it was a game of chicken for DRS. We nailed it. We said drivers are going to have to adapt. It took Max 
probably I'd say, you know, 44 laps, 45 laps. And then he realized, okay, like this is a game of chicken, but yeah, let's just, I want, I, I can't wait to talk DRS with you. I'll just a little sneak peek for our, our listeners. It's going to be a winner or a loser of mine. And I'm, I'm stay tuned to see which one. DRS kicks for. ass, man. It totally kicks ass. My, uh, my one sentence headline is fireworks in Saudi Arabia before the race. Red Bull recovers and back on the top step. Latifi, another crash to help out Max Verstappen. And Lewis breaks a record he wish he could keep. That's my that's my one sentence headline for the uh, week. And it's just another, I mean, we saw, first off, you and I were not big fans of the Jetta circuit. The Cornish circuit, 27 turns, it's a death trap. We've seen two races there, two qualities there, and combined four red flags, four safety cars, just an, about four crashes, just into the wall alone, then not to mention the cars coming into each other. Like certainly Jetta is just not what it's designed for an F1 track to be. It's too tight. I don't like the corner circuit. I, I despise it. I think they need to totally revamp it. It's cool. It's fun. It's exciting. I don't know how these guys do it. We are watching it live together. We said, I don't know how these guys can go almost 200 miles an hour through those tight turns in those sectors and not hit the wall. Max was millimeters away from the corner and one of his last laps in the chase for, for first. What's your take? I, I, I don't like the track. I think the track's you know, too tight. I think they need to fix it. So it's one of those things where I love to hate it. Like, I agree with every single thing that you just said. It's a ridiculous track. It's dangerous. It makes for some wacky, like, just bizarre moments. We've seen it the two years they've had them there. But I kind of like how crazy it is. It's like, you're going to see something weird there. And saw it again this year. There was... You know, the bizarre moment at the end of the race, yellow, green, yellow, green, like what was going on there? I kind of, I love to hate it. And I'm glad that it's early in the season. We can get it over with, you know, it's, it's not going to affect the championship picture towards the end of the year, which is nice. I'm glad that it's not the second to last race of the year again, but it's just one of those things where I'm glad to hate it because, you know, there, not every race can be simple and, and easy and, you know, start to finish, no disruptions. So I'm, I'm okay with it still on the schedule, but I do hate it. Yeah. I mean, they did widen turn 27. So that was at least a positive thing. The, you know, it's just something about, you know, you're spot on the fact that they moved it up into this season is better. I, we almost saw an explosion. We almost didn't even see the race this weekend. I mean, we, I thought we were going to get a WWE crown jewel event all over again, where like all the drivers were going to be held up at the airport and not allowed to leave. Sounded like at one point, Toto had made a, a hint that all the team principals kind of agreed to keep going, but the drivers weren't unanimous. So, you know, I, I heard after the race, Max was saying F1's probably going to look at whether they race in Saudi Arabia. Like, is this the last time we see racing in Saudi Arabia? Um, I hope not, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll, I'll, we'll get to that in my winners and losers as well. But all right. I, I think that. As usual, there's a lot of Twitter softies out there, um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that until later in the show. Yeah, I, no, fair enough. Uh, little teaser, teaser for the segment later on, winners and losers. See whether or not we think that Saudi Arabia should stay on the calendar for 2023. Okay, let's dive into the qualifying. I mean, we, we can't do this episode without talking about the qualifying. Mick 
with what we thought was a 60 G looked it up 33 G's into the wall. Awful Latifi, another spin out crash. Latifi has more crashes in the last three races than he has finishes. He's pathetic and I'm getting really sick of it. He just, he's just kind of ruining things like ruined qualifying at one point. He ruined the race two years in a row. Just stay out of it. Just finish these races in one piece. So everyone else can just race. Stop. And it wasn't even that like he was racing hard with somebody. No. Kind of like they had lost ca- traction, almost looked like Mazapin. It was like we were seeing a resurgence yeah. of Mazaspin, really. Yeah, he's, he's this year's Mazaspin for sure. 100%. We'll have a track. Um, we'll have a tracker on him. We certainly will. I mean, the other story of qualifying Lewis Hamilton knocked out in Q1, first time since Brazil 2017. Yeah. reactions you're a huge lewis guy i'm a huge yeah. max guy we butt heads on this quite a bit it was it's hard to root against lewis i wasn't happy watching that but yeah yeah the- so it was shocking um no question about it i i sort of think in the back of my mind he did it on purpose as like a wake-up call to the mercedes team like hey guys this car sucks this car blows let's spend the next two weeks getting this thing ready this car sucks and he was fine with just kind of making a point, not getting through Q1 and just lighting a fire under uh, his garage's ass because, I mean, that car does stink, but it's not P16 and qualifying stinks. So um, I, I don't know. It was shocking. Clearly not with George Russell placing no. P5 on the grid. So, I mean, it you know, that's, that's an interesting take. I didn't think that we were going to get a Mercedes Lewis conspiracy theorist out of you today, but, uh, you know, a seven-time world champion, eight-time constructor champion, and they're not—they're not making Q2. That's that's got to be you know something's, alarm bells up, going something's up with that. It's something. uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but something's up. But yeah, no, I mean, other than that, it was a pretty—I mean, Checo was on an absolute flyer, but absolutely just poor, gutted for him, just unlucky in the race. We'll get to the race now. Red Bull rebounds. Clearly, they came back from. They figured it out in Bahrain. The reliability was there. The pace was spectacular. That has got to be one of the best straight line speed performances out of Red Bull in probably the past three or four years. Usually, you see Mercedes dominating there. It's usually Red Bull with the downforce. This time, I mean, we got a we got a, a statement from Red Bull earlier that they said both cars suffered from a lack of fuel fuel pressure last weekend. The correct amount of fuel was in both cars, but a vacuum prevented the pumps from drawing fuel and delivering it to the engine. We've taken the necessary steps to correct this issue and we expect no problems this weekend. And they had no problems this weekend. The only problem they had again, but uh, it was Latifi hitting the wall at the wrong time for Checo. Yeah, it was fascinating to watch the difference between the Ferrari and the Red Bull and the, you know, the sharp corners compared to that straight line speed. It was it was it was very cool. Sort of as a role reversal from for Red Bull who was chasing Mercedes in that position last year. So it was it was a fun, very fun race in that sense. I alluded to it a little earlier. It was confusing at the end with that yellow, green, yellow. And I do think that if that race was another lap or two, Charles probably wins. And so it, it was just a very interesting race to watch. My my one thing is it was a bummer to see what happened to Checo. Just such terrible luck. And I would have loved to see Checo in first, Max in second with a few laps to go and how Red Bull handled that fight and how those two racers handle that situation. I think that would have been uh, very interesting and fun to watch. So I think we kind of get robbed of a moment like that. 
Um, but overall it was, it was a, it was a good race towards the top, kind of a bummer with those weird DNF finishes. I, I was looking at who it was and, and not even counting Nick, four of the DNFs were guys who had a decent chance at points. So we didn't find out much about the midfield and how those cars stack up against each other because, you know, Bada, Salonso, Ricardo, Sonoda, all guys who, who potentially could have been on the points who were just, you know, couldn't finish the race. I think you were saying you thought it was fuel though. Do we still think that's what caused those, uh, was it six, five or six cars? So all in that same lap or two just shut down. It was a bizarre moment in the race. I, I mean, watching it all happen with the race towards the top, it was, it was interesting to see it all happen and fold. Yeah. So we had, um, other than Mick, we had six DNFs, uh, sorry, seven DNFs. If you count Yuki Sonoda, Albon collision, uh, he collided with Lance Stroll. I think he retired the car after that lost some, some traction on that one. Bottas mechanical lost power. Alonzo lost power. Ricardo lost power. Sonoda lost power. So what's so, the, what is the power issue? Is it something to do with like, what is it? You were thinking it was fuel in real time. Yeah. So it's got to be something to do with the fuel because now this is in two races, we've seen six, seven cars DNF with just losing total power. And it all happened in the same lap. All in the so same weird. lap. And you know, and because the thing is for those new to the sport, you can't run out of gas with these cars because they have to have a minimum amount of fuel in these tanks at the end of the race to get tested and weighed to make sure that they have the proper specs in alignment. So most teams overfill the tanks to make sure they have a little bit of reserve gas. So all these cars, these guys are experts. They're not missing out on fuel. And these guys have like five, six, seven laps to go that they were missing. I think this was like lap 40 that Alonzo came in, Ricardo, like it was right around lap 30 or 40. These guys, it's got to be something with this new fuel because we're talking about Ocon. He finished in the point, P6, with the same engine as Alonso. And Alonso, we got Norris, P7, same engine as Ricardo, and Ricardo loses out. We had two Red Bulls last weekend that are in the points this weekend, first and fourth. They're losing power. It's got to be something with this new fuel because we know the power units last year. We didn't really see a whole lot of power failures the same power units this year we know that the fuel is different so it's it's got to be something related to that it's honestly it's it's crazy because at first after last week you thought it might have had to do a little bit more with the mercedes engines you've got bodice ferrari engine you've got alonzo renault you got latifi um with a, a mercedes you got mclaren with a mercedes and sonoda with an alfatari so you've got a mixture of red bull honda engines ferrari engines renault engines mercedes engines so like it's got to be something with this fuel because I can't isolate it to one thing, but like, are we going to see in Melbourne that both Ferraris lose power? I mean, they what's going to happen they next? They seem to be the only ones who haven't had like any issues from beginning of testing to now. They're, it's been seamless for them, unless you want to consider what happened with signs, you know, 20 minutes before the race. That was, that was another bizarre moment, but we never really got to the bottom of what happened and he seemed to to make it through without any issues, but I, yeah, they're the only team that haven't had any real issues yet. So kind of crazy. And he finished, uh, he's Sam, he finished about 8.1 seconds off of max at the end of the race. So, you know, you want to talk about, even if he did have something wrong with his car or something that just wasn't there, he was eight seconds off the pace. Yeah. It's not like he was 22 seconds back. And oh, I mean, they right there, but yeah, I mean, even signs, you know, to bring that up at the, in the post race press conference, he, uh, he was asked what was the problem on his car. He actually said, 
I'm not allowed to answer. Yeah. I'm not allowed to go into detail into that problem, which was, it was interesting because uh, usually those guys will say like, you know, Max last week was like, ah, oh, something to do with the fuel. My state, like some of those guys are open. If it, you, we saw it, we saw it real time. Mattia Bonato was in there looking at it. That's not a good sign. It was dramatic. Uh, it was a very dramatic moment before that race. It was scaring a lot of people, including me. Very dramatic, but no, you, you said it earlier, poor Checo, just, just poor luck. You know, you got to be gutted for him. It's similar to like, he's a guy you want to root for first time in pole in 211 races. It's, you know, he was sitting right there. He had a great start. He covered off Charles. He gave a little bit of a window too to, to Max to get past Carlos by really boxing him in. And then, you know, he just did, he tried to protect against the undercut he pitted. Obviously, Charles stayed out. Do what they don't do, right? You do what they don't do. And then just Latifi giveth and Latifi taketh away from Team Red Bull. And in that moment, Latifi just, you know, he helped out Max, kind of helped Max out, out again, really. And you're right. I would have loved to see if we were going to get another Weber Vettel team orders on Red Bull where, you know, Vettel just kind of completely disregards it and overtakes his teammate. And, you know, there's some little, bit I feel like it would have, it would have happened, but it would have been so ridiculous having it happen in the second race of the season. Like totally it'd be so uncalled for, but I think it would have happened when I, I would have loved to see it. Checo probably would have been pissed. Absolutely. Oh, he would, he, I, I would have said he probably was not going to be happy with team orders, but he doesn't strike me as a guy who's a selfish guy. But in that moment, it's really hard to to be to play the the yeah. number two bodice role. I hope uh, we get I hope we get to see something like that in the next few races. That would no, be- I do too. And you know what? Those four cars are fast. They Those are. Ferraris and Red Bulls are amazing. Freaking- that actually, is one of the thing I noted. It's how incredible they how incredibly close they are to each other. I mean, through qualifying, through the race, they were just. I mean, they're almost like identical. It's it's crazy. So the uh, the fastest lap of the day, uh, Charles, 0.1 faster than Max. Max's fastest lap was on lap 50. He had to lift a little bit into sector one because of the yellow flag. He he would have been three tenths of the quicker than Charles if there was no sec. But then again, we don't know about the DRS. But I'm just saying, you're going back and forth between fastest yeah. laps. These guys are just they're impressive. They're they're really good. Another great performance. George Russell kind of just said he described it as a very lonely race. There was really nobody around him. He didn't have a chance to overtake. I think he was like 25 seconds off the leader, 23 seconds ahead of Akon. But good points for Mercedes. I mean, they're P5. They're not out of it. Yeah, George Russell is one of my winners of the weekend, actually. And I'll just I'll just knock him out right now. I mean, he's almost got no attention these first couple of weeks the issues that Mercedes has been having Hamilton not making out of Q1 this past weekend but quietly he's off to a pretty cheeky start considering yeah. the lack of pace and power that Mercedes has um, he's kept his head down finished fourth and fifth fourth in the point so far Mercedes is getting hammered and rightfully so but I'm impressed with a steady start and I think he would have took fourth in the standings through two races like a month ago so oh absolutely um, yeah so I think he's been he's been fairly impressive so far and he's off to a good start Hey, Mercedes is second in the constructors after some really poor weekends of what they say has been lacking a lot of pace. So, you know, two weeks is a long time for them to figure something out in the development. But and then obviously after Russell, we had an unbelievable battle with Alpines, with Alcon and Alonso. You and I were holding our breath. We thought that there might have been a collision between the two pink cars this weekend. And we got a great battle. But boy, Otmar must have been holding his breath. Him letting them race was something else. 
you're you're being a great host setting me up for my winners of the weekend because uh-huh. Alpine is my other winner of the weekend. Those guys are awesome. Both drivers yeah. are quick. Alonso is obviously a nail gun. And I'll tell you what, Ocon has really grown on me. I really like him. I love how he drives. And he, he had an interview afterwards hearing how excited he was and how honored he was to race like that against Alonso. I thought was was very cool for them to go that hard against each other and the mutual respect that they have off the track. I think they're um, a nice story to follow this year. And it was definitely one of the top, you know, two or three highlights of the weekend. And beyond that, their car's fast. They have a competitive, good car and Akon's off to a great start. So they were definitely one of my winners this weekend. Yeah. I mean, like, like me, you must've been holding your breath at the line as Lando Norris was in another drag race with Akon. Similar. He must have had similar flashbacks to last year, just losing out on Bottas's uh, last minute charge. But I mean, we didn't even like, it's funny because the coverage was a little bit shoddy. There was so much at the top with this, the racing at the top, but like we missed out on the Lando Norris Ocon battle in the last lap. Norris overtakes Ocon into turn one with DRS. Then I think Ocon retakes him back into that triple DRS zone. And then it's just a drag race to the finish line. And he holds him off. I think it was like 0.1 seconds apart. It was, it was impressive. But Norris in the points, great recovery from McLaren. Gasly in the points, another good recovery from AlphaTauri. And then you've got Magnuson and Hamilton rounding out the, the top 10. Um, Hamilton gained five places. I think Magnuson... Magnuson gained a place. They all gained some places, but poor Alonso. He was looking to be in the points. Same with Bottas. Those guys were looking to, to score some good points. And so just, you know, unfortunate. But, yeah, I mean, great race. It was eventful. But I would say, you know, for it was great back-to-back. We love these short weeks. You know, we love these back-to-back race weeks. It was awesome to see. Charles V. Max is going to be the story of the, of the season. It's looking to be, unless – Toto and George Russell and Lewis can pull some magic out of their hats for early. It's early. All right, Sam. So, you know, we kind of touched on a few of these, but let's really just get crisp. What's the winners and losers of the weekend? Hit me with what you've got. So my losers of the weekend, first of all, I'd say, uh, Haas, which the good news for them is a losing week for them still ends with them getting some points, which is amazing considering what they looked like last year. But it's that good of a car. Uh, it's clear they can compete in the front of the midfield. So their expectations need to shift and and shift quick. And they need to be looking to get two cars in the points every single week now. Um, and obviously, uh, K-Mag needs to uh, work on his neck, get some physio done there. He needs to get that neck stronger. Um, it's not going to get any better this season. And then my picture of Magnuson over the weekend with the tape, just he had tape everywhere. It looked like he was wearing a turtleneck. Yep. Yep. And then my other loser of the week is the Saudi Arabian oil fields. Those things got absolutely pounded. Aramco facilities, man. Yeah. Those things got absolutely pounded. And I'm, I'm really not exactly sure who bombed them or why, but they got them good. And it was pretty crazy watching that practice on, uh, I think it was Friday with the smoke coming up around that final turn, it was, it was a sight to be seen. And um, it almost cost F1 a Grand Prix weekend, which would have sucked. Um, and it also gave, you know, the morality police, you know, their ammo to complain about F1 being in Saudi Arabia in the first place, which I think we can collectively as a podcast agree that has become the most annoying thing, like in the whole entire world. I don't think these people realize that F1 is a, you know, a for-profit business and those Saudi Arabian princes and sheiks, they pay a lot of money 
And it's the same reason WWE, like you said earlier, does their crown jewel event. It's the same reason that pro golf has events in Saudi Arabia. It's the same reason the NBA does business with China. These places pay money, these businesses are for-profit businesses. And that is what their goal is to make money. So people need to get over it. They need to enjoy the race and let's leave the politics out of it and just, you know, shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble. No, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you there. The, the drivers seem to think there was safety concerns. The crown jewel prince, whatever his name is, of Saudi Arabia, he joined them and said, I can guarantee your safety. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought that was a reason why Lewis didn't perform so well. It's probably hard to drive a car when you're thinking about potential explosions about two or three miles down the road at the Aramco facility. But but no, I, I, I'm with you. Like these guys, you know, they're professionals. They take on the risks. If it was really unsafe, that they wouldn't have driven. But at the end of the day, get over it. You know, it was a great race. In, if you don't want to watch, don't watch. Tune out. You know, watch something else. Go go turn back into NASCAR and watch something else if you're if you're worried about that. And uh, you'd give him the two winners. Just kind of who are the winners you had again? George Russell. I had George Russell and, and Alpine. I think both Alpine. of those stood out to me as having great weekends. Um, and I think George Russell, he's been flying under the radar and had another solid, steady weekend. And Alpine just kind of lit it up on the track in that battle. For me, I have for my winners and losers, obviously for a winner, how can you not say Max? Winner um, of the weekend for sure, going from P4, great battle with Charles, gets that monkey off his back. I'm not going to lie, I was a little worried if he didn't get a win this weekend, he was going to be under a lot of pressure after after Abu Dhabi last year, the DNF in Bahrain, like a P2 finish. You were worried, just get that monkey off your back. So, So Max is one of my winners for sure. I had George Russell, obviously, you know, I have a backup always because you and I are probably going to overlap on some stuff. Red Bull powertrains, big winners this weekend. Uh, A lot of concern about the reliability coming out of Bahrain, wondering if they could stay on track, uh, wondering if they could make it to the the race. They fixed their issue. They looked absolutely quick. It was an absolute rocket ship of an engine this weekend, just powering down those straights, triple DRS, unbelievable. you got to say that they're a winner. It's just absolutely impressive. Losers of the weekend. Now, I, I had three. I know we keep it to two, but I, I had to talk about three. Two of them are kind of half losers. Latifi, big-time loser. Just absolutely big-time loser. How do you crash twice? Two different turns, loses his back rear, just hits the wall into qualifying. Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I don't know what happened there. Then in the middle of the race, nobody around. Slides out again. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what happened there. It's just another, like, we talked about it earlier in the podcast, but he's got to be a loser. He's my quick one. I had to bring it back up. I I couldn't talk enough about how big of a loser he is. Pirelli tires. A little bit of a loser on the hot seat. From what I've been hearing, the different tire compounds aren't so good to follow. So the regulations nailed it with the the clean air, but from what I'm hearing is it was really hard to follow on those medium tires in stint one, and the hard tires was actually the better tire towards stint two. Um, so uh, it's hard to call. We were, we right. we were all over that last week. Tires are going to be an issue for the foreseeable future. Tires are going to be an issue. Uh, nobody even touched the softs. And then, you know, my loser of the weekend, but, I, but let me explain why. DRS. <laughs> DRS is a loser of the weekend. I know you were high on it and I am high on it too, but let me explain why. 
the DRS is a loser because I actually think the tracks need to think about where to place DRS. In Saudi Arabia, it's a big loser. The triple DRS for a car with straight line speed, it's, it's really not fair. You know, like if you swap Max and Charles for the better part of that race, I think you never see Charles touch Max. I think towards the end, they were close enough, but like you give him a chance to kind of pull away a straight line car speeds, just it's going to be untouched. I think you saw it last year with Mercedes. They caught Red Bull with the triple DRS. Red Bull was quick in the straight and quick in sector one and two. Mercedes dominated sector three. This year, Red Bull dominated sector three, Ferrari quick in the streets, and it ended up being the car following that wins the race in both of the last two races. So my loser's DRS in the sense that I think the tracks need to get a little bit more strategic of where they place them. So that way you don't have these games of chicken where Max isn't wanted, Charles isn't wanted, there's like this breaking and over and like you just getting lockups and no, I don't want it, you get it. No, I don't want it, you get it. We saw it a little bit last year with Lewis and Max. We saw it this year, Max and Charles. We saw it in Bahrain. Like, I think this game of chicken where you have back-to-back DRS zones needs to be a little bit more thought through, but I'm with you. I, I think you need DRS. Let me just be very clear. You need DRS in these races because otherwise you're just not going to have a chance to, to pass. Like it's just going to be out of the question. If you don't have DRS, you need it, but I think they need to reconfigure the tracks a little bit to think about how to put it in certain places. Yeah. I mean, I love DRS. I think it adds a whole nother layer of strategy, especially this year. I don't think we're going to see the type of cat and mouse stuff the way what we saw this past weekend at every track. I just don't think every track's DRS zones are set up that way. So I don't think it's going to become an issue. But I just, like I said earlier, that this track is just wacky. It's just, it's totally wacky and I hate to love it. And the DRS zones is just another dimension of that. It's a wacky track with wacky DRS zones and wacky things happen. So once a year, I'm fine with it. I thought the DRS made for some bizarre battles that we probably won't see much of the rest of the year in terms of the cat and mouse stuff. But um, I, yeah, you're right in the sense that it, it, it is, it has added a different dimension with the straight line speed becoming just too much of an aid. All right, Sam, uh, let's move on to some segments. So segment one we've got here. You know, this type of podcast, we're accountable. We like to have accountability. We're the only, we're the fastest growing F1 podcast in the in the nation. We like to hold ourselves accountable to what we got right and what we got wrong. So this segment, we're looking at what we said last week going into Jeddah and how Jeddah played out on track, what we got right and what we got wrong. So what we got right, Sam, you nailed it. Best bet of the weekend, Max Verstappen to stand on top, the top step podium. How do you feel? Take take a bow. That's worth an applause. You got that. You nailed it. You said that was your best bet of the weekend. Max on top step. I nailed that. I was all over it. Um, unfortunately, day of, I did not bet him. I went with my heart instead of my gut, and I bet on Charles, and I lost. But I will take the credit for that. I was all over it. Um, like you said earlier, Max's back was against the wall, and he does perform his best in those situations. So um, I was not surprised to see Max win. I just... I just don't like Max, so I didn't want to reform. But, yeah, I was right about it. Thank you. Yep. At the end of the season, whoever has the most rights versus the person who has the other most rights, there will be a special award given out at the end of the year. So this is – I am keeping score of all the rights and wrongs. All right, now it's time. We're going to go back. What we got wrong. I have to put my hand up. I was wrong about poll winner. I thought that whoever got poll – was going to win the race. Now, 
in my defense, I think that's a half wrong because I think you got a little unlucky with the, the safety car that came out right after Checo pitted. Looked like he was going to be the winner. He had good pace. Didn't look like Charles was catching him in that first stint. Uh, but I have to put my hand up. I'll be accountable. Unlike a lot of others in the media world, I was wrong. Pole winner did not win the race this weekend. Half wrong, full wrong, Matt. Half wrong, full wrong. Yep. All right. What we got right. Hand up. You know, wherever there's a, a loss, there's a win. Uh, driving styles changing. I nailed that. I called it. I said with the new DRS, with DRS and the way these guys can fall closer behind, you were going to see some driving styles change. If you look actually at the lap that Max overtook, he closed his DRS going into that last DRS zone. So he was coming down the straight. He had DRS. He had it wide open. He got very close alongside Charles. Then you actually see his rear wing close. For those listening in, I'm hand miming to Sam. The rear wing closed. He got a little bit closer to Charles, and then he just kind of took back um, that last straight. So good win for me. Driving styles having to change. That, nice was, that was a good win for me. Great pick. Yeah, so good recovery by me on that one. A wrong one, Sam, carnage. We didn't see a whole lot of carnage. You predicted a lot of carnage this weekend. We saw a couple crashes. A pretty terrible crash on Saturday. I mean, yeah, if you want to count the Mick, uh, maybe we'll put that out to a poll on Twitter or whether or not that's a right or a wrong. But, you know, inside the actual race itself, I think the only crash we really saw was Albon and Stroll and then Latifi hitting a wall. But, you know, I wouldn't call that pure carnage the way we saw it last year. But we'll, we'll put that one on the maybe section. Definitely not as much carnage as I anticipated. So hats off to the racers who are just unbelievable. I mean, the amount of times that me and Matt looked at each other and said, how are they getting this close to the wall? I mean, millimeters. It, it was amazing. It was millimeters. Amazing. All right. What we got right. Big weekend for Haas. You, had, you got it right. It was another big one. We got points again. Magnuson, great race. His neck a little bit sore. I mean, Mick, he's he's going to win a race. Like he, Those guys are going to be on the top step. You, you got the Haas one right. You also said Mercedes didn't have a whole lot of high hopes for. You said they were in a really tough shape. So I kind of bucket those together. You had good calls on Haas and Mercedes this past weekend. What we got wrong? George Russell, you last weekend, you said he lucked out finishing P4. He was by far the number one Mercedes driver this weekend. So, you know, that, that's a one for you in the loss category. So, you know, actually, so right now we're sitting at, there's, there's two more I got. You are at a 2-1-1, and I'm at a 1-1 right now. So, so far, good one from you. What we got right, fuel, nailed it. More cars losing power. We talked about it earlier. We nailed that one and we got tire management. So I think those are both, I think we both get those wins. We knew about the tires, the tire management was huge and then the fuel. So I think we land this one around you with three to one and me with two to one. So good win for you this weekend. If uh, if any of our loyal listeners out there want to fact check these, have at it. We'd love a second opinion. Yep. We'd love a second opinion. Please uh, tweet us, follow us, and uh, we will retweet you back. So cool. All right, Sam, now for our newest segment of the week. This one is a, this one's a f- favorite of mine. This one is a guess the quote. So I've got five, maybe six, five or six quotes of the weekend. They're all either team principals or drivers. I'm going to give you a quote. You're going to have to tell me who, who, get, who said it. And um, again, same as always, the, if you get one right, you get a point. If you miss, I get a point. Whoever has the most points at the end of the season will do something special for the listeners. All right. Here's the first quote. And I will try to do a little bit of a, uh, an accent where I think I can, but uh, this is, you know, we'll do our best. Oh, my God. 
I feel like my intestine is going to pull out of my body. It has been the worst last five laps of my life. That was Pierre Gasly. <laughs> yep, that so was Pierre Gasly. Wow, great, great call. What would happen to him? I wonder if he just had a stomachache, but. Yeah, I didn't really get much other than he had intestinal pain, which doesn't sound very fun. Not when you're driving a car going 60 Gs in those turns. No. All right. Next one. Quote number two. No, no, for us, it can get worse. It can always get much, much worse. That would be Lando Norris, I believe. That's right. That is right. Another interesting tidbit post-race was how disappointed he was. I couldn't believe it. First points of the season, and he was very clear to say that, that their car was still not good and that they lucked out. Yeah, he, he did say that they did not have any upgrades from Bahrain. It was the exact same car. He said it was just a little bit of a setup, and he got a little lucky with some people DNFing like Alonzo. So uh, Alonzo and Bata. So, I mean, kudos to him for points, but he's not happy. He is very, very upset. All right. Number three. I mean, this one's a layup. If you don't get this one, I don't know what to tell you. Are there even any points for that position? Uh, that was Sir Lewis Hamilton. Yes, it was. He finished P10. He got one point. Probably the worst position. Matt, do you think he was serious when he said that? I think it was a message to the team. I think he knows how many points there are scored. I think he knew that he was getting a point, but I think it was more of like him being sarcastic of like, this was pathetic that we finished here. I agree. Yeah. Uh, all right. Three more. So, Sam, I mean, right now you're undefeated. Three and oh, that's that's phenomenal. Okay. I'm going to blank out this person's name. This is a radio from his, uh, his race engineer. And then his, this is his response. you got to do better to save the tires. Dude, I am working my ass off out here. Hmm. I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz. Uh, good guess, but no, that was actually Nico Hulkenberg. Ah, okay. Yeah. Wow. Good race out of him. He finished ahead of his teammate. Lance Stroll. Pick of a car, man. That Aston Pick of a car. car. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, the idiot just dive-bombed me. Gave you a little bit of the accent there. Yeah, that was a, that was a good accent. Uh, Checo? No, Lance Stroll. Alex Albaum tried to take that inside line. and That was a, that was a terrible accent of Lance Stroll. Yeah, uh, accents aren't my strong suit, but I'm better at hand-miming on the podcast, so go figure. All right, wow, three to two. Three to two, going into the last quote. This could be a really big change of points here. Yeah, I mean, last year for two points, I would have fucked the whole paddock. <laughs> oh, man. Um Got to be Kevin Magnus. That was Gunther Steiner. Ah. <laughs> yep, and that's a real quote. Wow, we ended that one at 3-3. All right, those are some good ones. But, yeah, I mean, good weekend, fun quotes, good there. stuff. Yeah, stay tuned to the listeners for the rest of the year. We'll see where we shake out with our total points. All right, Sam, looking ahead to Melbourne. Let's start off, you know, three years since we've been at this track. Last person to win there, Valtteri Bottas. He won by 20.8 seconds over teammate Lewis Hamilton, 22 and a half seconds over Max Verstappen. Let's start, though, with what do you see from Vegas odds, gambling picks? What's your best bet of the weekend? What's your sprinkle bet of the weekend? And what is your 
matchups of the weekend. Sure. Yeah. So I've got some interesting angles here. So first off, Max and Charles are both sitting somewhere in the plus 125 to plus 160 range. My advice on betting these guys is to wait until after qualifying. I think in most instances, we're going to see them swapping one and two and qualifying. And as we saw in Bahrain, the odds stayed pretty stagnant at that even money to plus 150, plus 160 range on both of them in that case. And then if you get in a situation like this past weekend or Max or Charles, the tough quality and you finish third or fourth, you might get some great value at plus 225, plus 250. We saw Max in some books this past weekend. So you can get some really great value on one of them. So that's what I say. Wait until after qualifying to bet these guys. But I'm, I'm going to have to go in terms of those two. I love Charles to, to answer, uh, answer back and, and get a win. So plus 160 Charles to win. Um, that's going to be my best bet of the week. And then I'm going to keep saying it. So I'm going to say it every single week until it happens. Bet Carlos signs. He's going to win a race at some point, And it's going to be one of those things where we're going to bet him every single week until he wins. It's going to happen. He's going to win a poll and then he's going to win a race. It's just a matter of when. Um, I found it kind of funny how last week the national media kind of latched on to my science pick. We saw a bunch of people kind of copying it, stealing it. They'll probably back off it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to sprinkle Carlos Sainz plus 800. And then matchups. So it's a little too early for any of the matchups to be out yet, but I do have a couple different angles that I like. So this is another bet I'm going to hammer every week. Uh, I feel like you're going to continue to get good value on it. And it's going to be Ocon over Alonso. Week one, Ocon was plus 250, blew Alonso out. Last week, Vegas kind of caught up a little bit. He was plus 125, still beat him. Although it was Alonso's car breaking down, it wins a win. I'm going to keep betting it until Alonso finishes ahead of him. So Ocon over Alonso, look for that matchup. And then my other matchup I like, again, these odds aren't out yet. But what I will say is I like Ricardo over Lando this week. Ricardo loves his home Australia track. And I thought he looked pretty solid last weekend before his car shut down. So uh, I saw he was, he's been both weeks somewhere in the plus 250 range against Lando. So I think you're going to get great value again. I like Ricardo over Lando in that matchup. And then one other bet, if you're looking for a year long bet, maybe you don't want to bet on a week to week basis and you want something to follow throughout the whole rest of the year. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Bet Ferrari to win the constructors. You can still get them at minus 110 in most places. Pretty much even money. Matt, I think you'd agree with me. They look like a car that is going to be double podiums most weeks. Uh, and, yeah. and that's a recipe to win a Constructors. Um, I think you, you're still going to get a great value on them at minus 110. You know, it's not the plus, five front, uh, plus 500 that the Sharps like me got back in January. But in my opinion, with how steady they've looked, um, both cars have looked, I think you're still getting great value, even money. So I would look to lock in Ferrari at even money to win the Constructors. Wow. Great segment on the pick, Sam. I mean, it's going to be really hard for me to say that Ferrari isn't going to win the constructors. I mean, they've also got a head start after the Bahrain weekend. So it's going to be really tough. You're going to, I, I will put it to you this way, barring a double DNF from the Ferrari somehow, some way, I think they're kind of a shoe in for the constructors this year. They just, it's a little like, early for that, but for, to get them at even money, I think, it's getting now. There's not going to be many more weeks where they're at that value. So if you're going to do it, do it now because the trains leave. And, and if you're not on, you're going to miss. Yeah. I mean, good picks this weekend. Obviously I would be, I'm more of a max stand. So I'm going to say, you know, like I view max and Charles as kind of, it's a flip of a coin each weekend, bet who you like, bet who you want to win. I think you're spot on. Wait till after quality between those two. 
I don't like your, you know, Ricardo. He likes his home track. Last time there, he was a DNF in a Renault, lost his wing on the uh, opening lap. He uh, got off the line, went to the grass, clipped his wing, and then he actually didn't even finish the race. That wasn't a Renault. Who knows what he does this weekend? Or, sorry, in two weeks, I should say. I, you know, it's funny. I looked at this. This is These are your top six, and then they all lapped the rest of the field the last time they were there. Valtteri, Hamilton, Verstappen, the return of Sebastian Vettel, Charles, and K-Mag. We got K-Mag. He was a P6 finisher the last time he was at Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne's one of our favorite tracks. I love Melbourne. I think you love Melbourne. I think that track is really cool. I'm actually not a big fan of Melbourne, to be honest. Oh, you're not a fan of the Melbourne track. Wow. Tell me about it. What don't you like? No, I just, uh, I don't know. Just not a big fan. Wow. All right. Well, lucky you. It's at 1 a.m. I hope it proves me wrong. You know, I just... In, the, in our F1 video game battles, I, I always had a tough time with a lot of those winding turns. So hopefully yeah, the, really the real drivers have better luck than I did. Yeah, no, I mean, I like this weekend. I think Melbourne is going to be fun to go back to. It's been three years since we've been there. It's going to be awesome. I think we're going to see some really good races. The return of Sebastian Vettel, that'll be awesome. We'll get him back in the, the Aston Martin. You know, K-Mag come back. Let's see what Mick Schumacher can do. He was looking like he was pretty quick in qualifying. I think he just got that. He absolutely shunted his car into the wall, but he's going to be somebody who comes out strong this week. And, yeah, I do. I, I If there's a matchup I like this weekend, I think it's Checo over signs. That would be my that would be my matchup pick if that existed. Obviously, no odds are out. I'd like to see what that looks like, but I like Checo over signs. And then Sam, lastly, predictions. Well, who do you think's on pole? And then give me the podium. So pole and podiums from Melbourne. Pole goes to Charles Claire. In your podium is Leclerc, Verstappen, Hamilton. Wow. And here's here's what I'm here's what I'm gonna say. I think this is a major two weeks for Mercedes. And I know I'm going a little on a limb with this with how poor their cars looked, but having this extra week for development, maybe a chance to get back home, get in the garage, tinker with some things. I I just I have such a hard time believing that they're gonna stay where they are. And I think we see a different Mercedes in Melbourne. And as I just said, it wouldn't shock me at all to see Sir Lewis back on a, a podium. And I think that would just launch them into having a lot of momentum for the rest of the season. So I, I it's kind of a wishful thinking type thing, but I, uh, I think Mercedes makes a big jump. Wow. All right. I'll give you mine. I got Max on pole and then I've got Max, Charles, George Russell, so you That's think, my prediction for the weekend. You, you think Mercedes is gonna uh, is gonna figure some things out too? I'm I'm riding. You know, I was I was a toss up. I in my head I was between Russell Norris Ocon for P3. I I think Norris, huh? Yeah, and, and that was where I was like floating around, and then I I walked off of Norris because I don't think McLaren has like the development capabilities that Mercedes has, and then I think Mercedes is just you know they've been developing since. Saudi or uh, since Abu Dhabi, like, you know, they've got packages, you know, they've got upgrades. I think that they kind of held that off coming into this weekend because they got good points in Bahrain. So you, you saying Hamilton, I, I went against you. I say Russell, because I think you convinced me about Mercedes, 
But yeah, I, I think you're the other person. I think you're going to see flirting with it is Magnuson. I hope so. And yeah, that's another thing that I'm looking towards is can Haas continue with this pause momentum? They, we haven't seen double points yet for them this year. So I'm, I'm hoping we get double points and we get K Mag and Mick um, in there in the top 10. So that's something I'm rooting for. I'm looking for, and it'll be interesting to watch. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us this week for the In the Points podcast. What a start we had to the 2022 season. Will this finally be Ferrari's year? Can Red Bull catch the prancing horses? And does Mercedes have what it takes to fight back? Only time will tell as we look ahead to Albert Park in Melbourne, Australia, Sunday, April 10th for the Australian Grand Prix. Thanks so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, and smash all those bells and whistles. And until next time, stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing. Max, 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 Super Max, Max, Super, Super Max, 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 Super Max, Max, Super, Super Max, 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 Super Max, Max, Super, Super Max, 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 Super Max, Max. Ik mis geen race, heb scheid aan mijn centen. Ik zie Max zijn mooiste momenten. Hij is de king van Barcelona. Rijdt alles zoek van Spa tot Monza. De geur van rubber en smeltend asfalt. Ik juich als Max weer één voorbij knalt. Zijn inhaalacties zijn bijzonder. Het is een baas, een wereldwonder.